Thanks for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Well, good morning. That's better. You are awake. (laughs) Well, what a song, eh? Just thinking of those words, to stand forgiven at the cross. Do you know what that's like this morning? To stand totally forgiven at the cross. Everything that you've ever done, stand there totally forgiven at the cross. I mean, what a gospel. Eh? What What a gospel. You know, people forgive us of certain things and people hold certain things against us. But God is good. God is good. And through Jesus, he forgives us totally. And he doesn't keep a checklist to come back at us some point later on in our Christian life. Stand forgiven at the cross. Wow. If you've got your Bible, or it will come up behind me on the screen. Um, but uh, if you've got your Bible and you would like to turn to it, uh, Colossians chapter 3. We're in Colossians chapter 3 this morning. And uh, let's just read this, shall we, um, together. So, since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So, put to death the sinful earthly things that are lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger and rage and malice, be, malicious behavior, slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. And since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's thoughts and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds them all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as the members of one body you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all of its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Holy Spirit, we pray that you'll just breathe on this word this morning. You know each life here. You know the walk that we take You know, the ups and downs. But we praise you for your great grace and great mercy. 
And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would speak to us through this passage, that we might encounter you, Lord Jesus, and that we might be transformed to be the people that you call us to be, and therefore be effective witnesses in the world in which you've placed us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've titled this message, or we've titled it, Off With the Old and On With the New. One thing I love about Paul is he's very practical and he's very down to earth. I sometimes think we make it more complicated than it needs to be. Yeah? Um, And it's actually quite straightforward. You've got a new life in Jesus, and what a wonderful life that is. You used to live in this way, but don't live that way anymore. Get rid of that, put on the new and live into it to the glory of God. He's thanked God for them in chapter 1. He's prayed that they would be filled, that they would know the fullness of this new life in Jesus. And if you've not caught up with the series as we've gone along that, you know, we thank God for everyone. And we pray that each one would know the fullness of life that God promises us in Jesus. And what a life that is, a life that is full and free. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And in case there was any doubt uh, as to what they believed and whether it, it really worked at the end of the day, he makes it abundantly clear that Jesus is both totally supreme in, uh, as the Lord of creation and of the new creation. He is totally supreme. He is a totally sufficient saviour. Hallelujah. And, uh, and we need to be reminded of that because we will live in a world that will under, try to undermine our faith in various ways and undermine our knowledge of Jesus Christ. Those who go on that search for the so-called historical Jesus that's kind of somehow outside of the word that we have. But let's dig into the word and find out who Jesus really is and let him uh, indeed satisfy our lives. And uh, uh, that they can have every confidence in him because of who he is and the salvation that he has brought and uh, that he has indeed brought them into his own presence and made them holy and blameless in status before him. That's staggering, isn't it? That we're made holy and blameless before him. Sometimes we don't feel like that. When the enemy goes on a whispering campaign, we don't feel like that. But when I turn to the word of God, there's every reason to believe it and to know that it is true and to feel like it because it says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. That's not something future, that's something now. So if you, if you are coming under condemnation, hear the word of God this morning. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And uh, in chapter 2, he encourages them to continue in him in the same way uh, that they began. And that's another area where we so often fall down. We, we begin in faith and then we try to carry on by works. And it all becomes about our effort and keeping up my end. And we lose sight of Jesus. And, and when people lose sight of Jesus, they lose sight of, of the joy that is the gospel that he brings. And like the Christian life becomes hard work. So he encourages us, uh, as we were hearing last week, to continue in him in the same way that we begun. Then in chapter 3, he drills down into what this Christian life really means. What this daily life in Christ looks like. It's typical of Paul very often with his writings that the first part of them are very theological and the second part of them are more practical. There's theology at the beginning laced with some practicality. The second parts are very often full of practicality laced with theology. And so we need to be both theological and practical. We need to understand the Word of God and we need to live it out in our daily lives. We need to make sure it works where the rubber hits the road. 
We're not into some kind of super spirituality which denies the lives that we're living, the ups and downs that we face, the suffering that is encountered in different ways, the the problems that we encounter. God must work in all of that, and he does. Hallelujah. And we've been singing about that this morning. So he drills down into what this new life in Jesus is really all about. And uh, it should be noted that Paul's great desire in in chapter 1, verse 28, is to to present every one of them mature in Christ. And as elders here, that would be our desire, to present everyone who belongs to Gateway mature in Christ. It's great having babies, isn't it? You know, when you, you babies turn up on the scene, it's great, but you don't want them to stay a baby. Well, maybe sometimes you would. You know, it's like the little lambs out in the field. You, oh, aren't they beautiful, lovely little lambs? I only have, wish, I could, wish they could stay like that. But you don't want them to stay as little lambs. You want them to grow into mature sheep. And, you know, God, God wants us to grow up as his children. He wants us to, to enter into maturity as the people of God. And, and so as those who, who lead, our desire is to present everyone mature in Christ. And there are so many different ways in which we, we want to be able to do that. And so here um, Paul says, if, or some versions have, since you have been raised to this new life. If or since you have been raised. And it's that kind of, thank you very much, that kind of emphatic thing. Since you have been raised... The question then is, have you been raised to this new life? Have you encountered Jesus this morning? Or is he still, somebody you're still getting, trying to get to know? Somebody you're still trying to understand how it all works? Because he, he's writing here to those who know. Since you have been raised with Christ, or if you have been raised with Christ. So he's not talking to those who are, are non-Christians here. He's talking to those who have come to faith and have that knowledge of Jesus Christ. And he says, set your sights on the realities of heaven. So there's a dynamic reality that goes on on here. They they have a new life if they have encountered Jesus. And and this life is a a growing life. It is a, a flourishing life. It is a life that grows with each day that goes by. And so if you have been raised with Christ and for Paul, the, the with Christ thing theme is very big, and we can easily pass over it. We could do a whole sermon series on, on, on kind of with Christ or in Christ. You see, we, we're not just individuals on our own. We're caught up in a world created by God. We're caught up in a world that is, is in, in biblical terms, corporate in every sense. And we so often think of in, in, in individual life and individual faith. Uh, but in, in the scripture, that was not the case. They were a community. And uh, because God himself is community. And, and so when, when God comes to us in Jesus, he identifies with the creation that he has made. He identifies with us. And that is so staggering in and of itself. That Jesus identifies with us. So he is God with man residing. And very much real man. And, but as such, he, he wants not only to be God with man residing, but he wants to gather up those that he has created who have lost their way, who are lost and dead in trespasses and sins. He wants to gather them up so that they might be in him, in God. And so it says here that your lives are hidden with Christ in God. And that's a staggering thought, that our lives are hidden with Christ in God. And that could do with some greater development but to to note that go through scripture go through Paul's letters and read about his his in Christ theme read about his with Christ theme 
is not on our own, it's in him. He came and was in us. He was in human form. And he gathers us up and he makes us so that we are in him. And, and this aspect of coming around the table is such an important thing. It's, it's, it's a means whereby we partake of him through faith. We feed on him. We, we are reminded that we are in him. We're no longer in whatever we used to be, but we are in him. And we have fellowship with him. And that is so, so important. In Christ, then, it's not some casual description of a Christian, but it's loaded, absolutely loaded with meaning. A Christian doesn't just believe he has died with Christ and he has risen with him and he is also raised with him, so he ascends with him as well. And so it's important for us to understand what is going on here because he's saying you're no longer who you used to be, but you are in Christ. You're caught up in him. Your new life is in him. It's not believing in him and it's somewhere else. It's in him your new life is found. And so he calls, his, calls them to seek the things, as it says here, that are above. Seek the things that are above. Set your sights on things that are above. Set your heart, set your affections on the things that are above where Christ is. And uh, that is so important. I don't know about you, but in my Christian life, I've gone through some various ups and downs. Um, I've not understood the truth correctly. And because I've not understood the truth correctly, I've tripped over, I've fallen, I've, and then found it difficult to get up. But this is where we come back to the gospel, where we come back to the truth of God's word. And so here it says, seek those things that are above. And I, I can remember a time when I kind of lost sight of Jesus and I somewhere or other just... just was trying to work out this Christian life. And like I was saying earlier, I lost my joy. And, and Christian life was really hard work. And I was trying my, my, my best to do it. And the more I tried to do it, the more I failed. A bit like the man in Romans chapter 7, the good I, I, that I would, I do not, and the bad that I don't want to do, that I keep on doing. What a wretched man I am. What, a, what an awful Christian I am. You know, and who will deliver me from this body of death? It just seems that I'm constantly pulled down into death rather than living the life that I find or heard about in the gospel. And for me, I had to go back and I had looked afresh at the, the good news. I thought to myself, maybe I've not understood something. Maybe I've not got the truth, a hold of the truth as I should have done. I was saved by faith, but I was now trying to live it out by works. I was doing it by my own effort. And the more I did that, the more miserable I became as a Christian. And so I set myself on a task of just understanding the gospel as it's proclaimed in, in uh, the book of Romans. And I, I read it, and I reread it, and I studied it. And suddenly, the lights went on. And uh, they, they came on full. And I thought, oh, wow, you know, this is, this is great, isn't it? You know, so many... Christians are aspiring to live into Romans chapter 8, but most of the time they live in Romans chapter 7. And when we look at this, this what Paul is doing here is he's calling them up. And he's saying, yes, it can be done. You don't have to live this lower life. You can live in newness of life because you have been redeemed. You have been incorporated into Christ, who is your life. And so he says, set your sights on the things that are above. Different versions translated in different ways. Some of them use the, the, the reference to, to think about those things. 
uh, set your minds on things above. And that, that is in there, but there's something that's more powerful, I think, that is lost in some of the modern translations, and I think in the New Living Translation, which I love to use. Uh, and if you go back to read the King James Version, it talks about setting your affections on things above. <laughs> if you read the New International Version, it uses setting your affections on things above. You see, you can have the right understanding of the truth, but unless your affections have been changed, every effort to do what you know to do will end in failure. Every, everything that you know what to do will end in failure. You can try and break a sinful habit because you, you know you shouldn't be doing it. And you can spend a whole lot of effort even praying and in trying to break that sinful behavior, but unless your affections have been changed, you will never break it. So we, we need a change of affection, and that is what Paul is talking about in this chapter. He's talking about having our affections changed, having our affections set on things that are above, having our affections set uh, on Christ Jesus. Paul is aiming at their transformation. But transformation won't come about simply by telling them, you've died with Christ, now live in him. This is, what you once, this is how you once lived, now live this way. So this is key to understanding the rest of what he's going to say in this book. Having our affections changed. Setting our minds on things above. Setting our hearts on things above. So there can be no effective change without a change in our vision and our affections. The fact is, sometimes our sins, let's be honest, are more compelling than the vision that we have. Yeah? So the criticisms that we want to hold on to, the lusts that we want to hold on to, sometimes our sins are more compelling than the vision that we have of Jesus and what he has for our lives. And so it's important that we, we have a change of affection. Um, and... Uh, if we are to overcome those things in our lives, then we need the power of a greater affection. And actually, this is an acknowledged principle out in the world, that if you're going to, to overcome something, you need the power of a greater affection. But even more so in the gospel, because of all that God has done for us in Jesus, there is the possibility of the power of a changed affection because of Jesus Christ. Yeah, just to think about it for a little while. How does that work? You think of a boy, a young man. His kind of life is here and there and so on. You know, and, um, you know, mum and dad try to, to get him to change his ways, etc. But he doesn't change his ways. And then one day, one day, he sees a young lady. And suddenly, she captures his affections. And suddenly, because his affections have been changed, he also is changed. Suddenly, he is doing things that mum and dad have been trying to get him to do for a long time. And now, because of the power of a greater affection, something has happened in his life, and he is doing things in a different way. You think of um, young children, again, think of a child. And uh, I've seen it time and time again. We do, it, we do it as parents and as grandparents. You know, when you see children falling out with one another and uh, 
and there's a battle going on. And, and you, you need to, to, to stop what's happening. And it's how do, you, how do you stop what's happening? And the answer is in the power of a greater affection. So what you do, and I expect parents have done this, grandparents have done this, you, you find something, don't you, that you know they like. A toy that they enjoy. You know, where they're squabbling over something and you, you go and find something that you know they enjoy and you, you say, hey, Johnny, what about this? Look, you know, and, and suddenly Johnny's affection is changed. And in a, in a moment, he's a different boy. And uh, he's forgotten the argument that he's having with his sister or his brother, whatever it is. The power of a greater affection has changed his behavior. And so it is with us, that power of a greater affection. And um, just reading through this and prepping for this, just came across last night an old sermon by Thomas Chalmers, who speaks of the expulsive power of a new affection. And he picks this up in a, quite a different way. He was quite scientific in his thinking and so on. But a, a man of, uh, you know, some 1700s, early 1800s, I believe it was. And, uh, but he has this, this message about the expulsive power of a new affection. And I found in my own life that it is having a greater affection for Jesus that has enabled me to, be, to overcome some of those things that I've had in my life. Where Paul will go on to say a little bit later here, you know, so have nothing to do with, have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Very straightforward, have nothing to do with them. And the way you can have nothing to do with them is to have the expulsive power of a greater affection. To be taken up with Jesus in a new way. To be taken up with the vision that he has for your life in a new way. So that actually becomes a transforming thing. In order to be changed, we have to see something far more attractive than what we see at this moment in time. We, we can't live in a vacuum. And so often as, as Christians, that's what we try to do. We, we try to push something out of our lives. Something that we don't want there. Maybe something that we've heard in a preach. And we think, yeah, that's wrong. I shouldn't be doing that. I shouldn't be watching that. I shouldn't be saying that. And we try to push it out of our lives only to find that it comes back in again because we haven't got the power of a greater affection. And the answer is in knowing the power, the expulsive power of a greater affection. It makes all the difference. I can remember a number of years ago, um, our neighbours had put up uh, a couple of fences behind our fence. And... Uh, one was um, one of those split-spile things, and another one was a full um, fence, uh, stop the dog seeing the cats, basically, that was it, and uh, therefore then barking. And then there was a shorter fence that I put up years before that. And they, they put this, these fences up, so behind our fence, and over time it began to look really, really bad because you get all the stuff growing up in between them, you know, bits of grass and bramble and all sorts of stuff and it, it just really didn't look good you know you could say well we can live with it and I suppose that's what I did for a while but then I got the power of a greater affection I remember thinking about this one day and looking at it and thinking what a mess that is what a mess it needs something done about it and as I, I looked at this I, I, I had a vision of this border all clean and just one fence there. 
And suddenly, with the power of a new affection, I went to work on this fence, and I took out the first fence, and then I took out the, the grass and the, and the brambles behind it, and then I took out the next fence, and then got it all cleaned up. Um, and, uh, but the power of a greater affection, the power of something that is far bigger than what we see. But all the while, and I expect there are guys and girls here, you, you've had jobs around the home. Maybe, oh, I've got to do that, I've got to do that, I've got to do that. You know, and maybe your husband or your wife says, when are you going to do that? You know, and well, maybe tomorrow. And you know what tomorrow is? It never comes, does it? And, and uh, so, so uh, but unless you get the, the power of a greater affection, it won't motivate you to do anything about it. And so, you know, in that, you've got that affection for, for your partner, your husband or your wife, for what they would like to see. And, and, and you, you begin to see that and you begin to grasp that. And that expulsive power takes over your negativity and enables you to live into what needs to be done. And that's really what Paul is saying here. He's talking about the expulsive power of a new affection. You, you can't have a vacuum. You have to have something that fills your heart, fills your life. So many Christians try to put off things without filling themselves with something. And, and so... You can't have that vacuum um, because the old attraction must yield to something that is far, far better, far more compelling. It's one of the reasons why so many New Year's resolutions fail. People make those resolutions. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to do fitness. I'm going to uh, all sorts of things. Perhaps I'm going to uh, get involved in social uh, help in some way or other. I'm going to do all kinds of things. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to, and, and resolutions are made. I'm going to read my Bible more. And, and people make those resolutions, but they're made with it, with that, in that category of emptiness as something that you see need to be done. But unless you have the expulsive power of a new affection, you will never do it. And it makes all the difference. So Paul, having said that in just those few words, since you've been raised to life, new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, set your mind, set your affections on the realities of heaven. As Christians, we don't think enough about that. We, we think too much about the world in which we live. But So he says, begin to think about heaven. Set your sights on a, on a new affection and let it work some kind of transformation within you. Uh, your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about, or again, uh, set your affections on the things of heaven, not the things of earth. So where are your affections this morning? There's something perhaps you, you've wished to, you've longed to conquer in your life. You've tried time and time again, but you've failed time and time again. And the reason will be because you haven't got the power of a new affection. And maybe that new affection this morning is falling in love with Jesus all over again. That's why so many Christian lives are, make huge strides right at the very, very beginning. They encounter Christ. They fall in love with him. They get so taken up with him and they, they want to please him in every way. The power of a new affection has entered their lives and as such, it works a transformative process. But as time goes by, maybe life takes over. Responsibilities, brown envelopes, all of those kinds of things. 
And we lose sight of Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. We lose sight of him. And when we lose sight of him, we're like Peter, who, when he stepped out of the boat, he could walk on the water all the while, he had his eyes on Jesus, but the moment he took his eyes off Jesus, the power of something else overtook him, and he found himself sinking in the water. Where is your affection this morning? Maybe before you go out this morning, you need to determine to fall in love with Jesus all over again. Jesus, I, I'm sorry, I've, I've lost sight of you. I've got taken up with the things of this world. I've even fallen in love with them. Jesus, I, I just come and I acknowledge that before you this morning and I want the power of a new affection in my life. I want the power of that, that first love to be in me again. That I might live for you as you call me to. That I might know this fullness of new life. The fullness and the power of it. So out of that, Paul says, having sort of laid that out before them, you died to this life. You died to it, and so it ended. But you have a new life which is hidden with Christ in God. That's a staggering thought, to think that this morning my life is hidden with Christ in God, in the heart of the Trinity. That he came here and he entered our abode to take us up so that we might be in him, in a new kind of life, Totally different to what we'd ever known before. That we be, might not just be raised to newness of life where we're forgiven, but raised to newness of life in relationship with God that changes everything. And so Paul goes on to say, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Paul is therefore so practical. He doesn't see this as a problem. He says, you can put that to death. It may be that you're here this morning you're, and you've read some of these words here and you've, you've, you, as we've read on, have nothing to do with sexual immorality, purity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy because that's been an idolatry. It may be that as we've read some of those things, they, it's like, oh, you, you've felt something in your own heart and life that God puts his finger on. And Paul says, because of what God has done for you in Jesus, because your life is now hidden with Christ in God, because there isn't now the, the possibility of a power of a new affection, you can just say, it's finished. You can kill it. The old saints used to talk about the mortification of sin. In other words, the killing of sin in our lives. Have nothing to do with it, is Paul's answer. Have nothing to do with these things. Because of these things, the anger of God is coming. Why would you want to be involved in them? You used to do them when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time, he goes on in verse 8, to get rid of anger, rage, malicious, split behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to one another, for you've stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. So he says in verse 10, put on your new nature. Unless you have the power of, the, uh, of a greater affection, you see the power of the greater affection of a new nature, you will never get rid of the old. 
It will always be a battle in your life. So put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Wow. And verse 12, since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, making allowance for each other's faults, forgiving anyone who offends you, remembering the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And above all else, clothe yourselves with love. Very practical, isn't it? What I want to encourage you to do is to go away and read that passage this week. And ask the Holy Spirit to to speak to you. Ask the Holy Spirit to, to highlight areas where that change still needs to take place. So that you might live in all the fullness of life that God has promised you in Jesus. And that your life might be a testimony, it might be a witness to those around you in the world in which you live. And so he said, verse 16, let the message about Christ in all of its richness fill your lives. And we so often think of it individually, but it's fill your lives together. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives. Sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Whatever you say or do, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Wow. It's a powerful word. The reality is, none of us have an excuse for continuing in living in the aspects of the fallen life that we're prone to. We all have the same promise made to us. We all have the same word made to us. You know that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. So as we were saying earlier, we can all live in victory. That theme was there, wasn't it? And we live in victory by the power of a new affection. Let's stand, shall we? Father, I pray as we draw to a close this morning that you would help each one of us on this journey of faith. Some of us have just begun. Some of us have reconnected with it again. Some of us have been on that road for many years. And Father, it's not always been easy. We have to say that. And we have cherished our sins. But Lord, we stand in your presence this morning realizing that you have saved us in order that we might live in newness of life. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you'll make this reality, make this a reality in each one of our lives. Wherever we're at at this moment in time, whatever we need to deal with, that we would do it. We wouldn't go away from here without that. So grant us, Lord Jesus, the power of a new affection. Where we've lost sight of you and our love for you, may we be caught up with you all over again. And may you captivate our lives in a a new way. Lord, that we might live into this newness of life with the power of a greater affection. 
And so help us to set our sights upon you, Lord Jesus, and upon the realities of heaven, that we might live effectively for you in this world and display something of the riches of your grace and mercy and be an effective testimony to you. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to finish our time together there, but um, look, this is important. Some of you today, maybe you're, maybe you really, you know, really are stuck in a habit, and you you need some prayer about it. Maybe for some of you, you actually just you just really need some counsel, some advice on it. Um, you are more than welcome to come and speak to to myself, Richard, Pete, um, Andy, Nash, John, and Leslie. Anybody around the front here, if you, if you want to speak to somebody today about about where you're at, but also, can I just encourage you if you're not in a if you're not in a group. Groups are really, really important. Groups are in a, a way that you can share your life with other people in the church and, and get regular support, regular kind of being able to talk to people about where you're at. Groups are a way of you growing as a disciple. Just through being in relationship with other Christians, you will grow as a disciple of Jesus. And can I just encourage you, if you're not part of a group, can I encourage you to think about signing up for one? I know it's late in the day, but that's still important. But also, um, if you are in a group, please can I encourage you to share with other people where you're at and find that one or two people in the, on your group that you can be honest with. Look, I'm really struggling with this at the moment. I'm really struggling with that. Look, I, look I've, got a, I've got this addiction. I really just need to talk to you about it. Be honest and open with people. You know, because as we do that, sin loses its power over us. The secret gets made clear and, and open. It, it comes into the open. And actually, as we, as we make things kind of plain, actually what we do is we start taking authority over it. Okay? So just encourage you in those practical things as we close today. Let's just pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you're saying to us today. Jesus, you said if anybody is to come after me, they need to take up their cross and follow me. Lord, we want to live self-sacrificial lives. We want to live lives in abandonment to you, Jesus. And we recognize that that means for each one of us, there are things that we are going to need to lay down in order to follow you. And Jesus, I pray that you would help us to do that this week. Father, I pray for anyone here who's struggling. Holy Spirit, would you give them the power to overcome this week? Lord, I pray that where they've struggled for days and weeks with certain things, Father, I pray that they would see breakthrough this week. And Jesus, I thank you for our groups and the wonderful people we have in this church. And I pray for great relationships to form between us where we can be honest and open about where we're struggling, Lord God. Lord, we pray a blessing on everyone in this room as they go out into the week ahead. That, Lord, that they would bring the kingdom of God to those around them. Amen.